1: Welcome to Mainstream by Pixelsift. My name is Adam Christou and joining me is Gianni DiGiovanni. Here at Pixelsift, we love indie games ensuring creativity from many international developers on our award-winning podcast. But on Mainstream, we discuss what games we've been playing recently and what we've been reading in the
0: news. So Gianni, tell me what you've been up to. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been digging right back into the old nostalgia bucket and I've played the very recently released uh, Halo uh, Master Chief Collection and the Halo Reach expansion, which has literally just come out this week, came out. Well, came out on the third of December.
1: Oh, cool! I'm really pumped for this because I have like no background in Halo whatsoever, so I'm looking forward to kind of getting a bit of a schooling on the world of Halo.
0: <laughs> a lot of schooling gets done in Halo. Let me tell you that.
1: Yeah, and I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Order. I just finished it, and uh, it's it's. I've got a lot to say. So I'm really excited to talk about it. So why not?
0: Let's just jump in. Excellent. Let's do it. Australia's best video game podcast.
1: Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. So, Jedi. Star, What a name. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is a game that I've been playing over the last couple of weeks since it came out. It's uh, the newest single-player Star Wars game, and one the first one in a very long time as well. It comes from Respawn Entertainment, who have put out some great games, uh, including the incredible Titanfall 2. It kind of um, felt like it came out of nowhere, a
0: little bit, don't you think?
1: Yeah, like I remember we'd keep hearing all these rumors about single-player Star Wars games under the EA umbrella getting canceled one after the other over the last few years. So when this got announced, I was a bit hesitant and I wasn't super excited about it. But then at E3 earlier this year, we started to get some information about how the game was actually going to play, and that's kind of what drew me into wanting to play this game a lot. And I think what really excited me was this idea of exploration uh, taking elements of, of Metroidvania games and, and kind of throwing you into a world that also used Dark Souls combat mechanics and bonfire save point systems. So it, and that kind of really sums up this game. It's like a hodgepodge of all sorts of different action adventure games kind of thrown into a bucket and mixed together. And at the end, you get this. And do you
0: think, I mean, that is the main description of how I've heard it. It's always, it's Star Wars, but this genre, this particular game, that particular thing. Is that a really fair assessment? Does it bring anything new to the table, do you think? Oh, look, it, it kind of feels like a greatest hits of the
1: last console generation or the one we're in right now. I mean, like its it feels like it's got the bombast of an Uncharted game and some of the set pieces of that sort of game. It feels like at times it focuses in and gives you the linearity of that as well. But then it also really wants to kind of give you these boss battles that make you feel like you're in Dark Souls or Sekiro where... You're parrying things, you're dodging really deadly attacks, and yet you're being really cautious of what you're doing and watching for enemy tells. Um, you know, and it gives you these environments that can be sprawling and long that you can get lost into. It reminds me a little bit of the Tomb Raider reboot series as well. It's, it's, I, I do think it's a fair call to say that it feels like this kind of mashup of all these various action games.
0: And so what do you think is the best bit about it? What, what really sort of changed uh, a moment that was really kind of crystallizing for you about how you felt about this game?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's when the story really started to pick up in the second half of the game. So the story is a little bit slow at first. The main character, Carl Kestis, is a bit bland, but some stuff happens. The Archie Cunningham the
0: of the uh, Star Wars universe.
1: Yeah. Oh God, he is. He's so boring. Um, and, and I really wish they had kind of been a bit more creative and and also kind of gone a little bit somewhere else rather than a hero's journey kind of story. But some stuff happens in this game towards the latter end that is very compelling, is very interesting and kind of plays with what I really want from Star Wars. Um, so, kind of exploring the idea of the notion of whether or not the jedi are actually um valid and 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 deserve to have power in this universe at all um kind of playing around with really exploring just how evil and fascistic the uh empire is as well and really letting you feel the pain of of what the empire is inflicted on people and the genocide that they've inflicted on multiple people in this world this is a game about broken people surviving trauma um, and when it really starts digging into that it becomes really fascinating and incredible.
0: Well, see, this is one of the things, because they can always be that sort of like cartoon character sort of bad guy at the Empire. They can be those those nameless dudes that get sliced up by lightsabers or shot by blasters. But when it comes down to it, they were at the hands of, well, in, in the sort of expanded universe, they were at the hands of a whole bunch of atrocities, really. And it sort of has only just started to be explored now.
1: Yeah, and like this game really focuses on a key atrocity that happens in the prequels. Uh, so it's the, what was the order again? Um, 66 order order 66 that's right Mm. that emperor palpatine puts out basically informing the clone troopers that they're to turn on their jedi masters and wipe them out from existence so this is a game that explores the genocide of the jedi essentially um and yeah it it goes to some really dark places it has a fantastic villain that is really compelling and interesting and complex the side characters in this game are all filled with depth Um, And, yeah, I just found myself really drawn into the story after a while. And, you know, when the action is really solid, when the platforming mechanics are really fun, when the environment's really beautiful, all you need is that final hook to kind of keep you playing. And that's what kind of kept me drawn in.
0: One of the other pieces of criticism I heard about this game is that it did feel like it was a little bit unfocused in parts and that uh, sort of seemed like it was maybe didn't have the priority put towards it. And some um, game reviewers like Justin McElroy uh, Russ Frushtick, for example, have said that it, it feels to them in their experience that it's unfocused because Apex Legends kind of came out of nowhere and was this massive hit, another one of Respawn's games. And then it kind of this kind of felt like it sort of dropped down the priority list as they sort of moved towards their release window. Do you, do you agree with that at all?
1: Oh, look, I don't know, because it's hard to say exactly what was happening inside Respawn when they were making this game. And I feel like that's super speculative. But, uh, you know, I I think this game is fighting with two ideas of what it wants you to do. There is a part of this game that wants you to stick to the critical path, follow the next story beat, and to make your way to the destination on the map that highlights for you. And there's another part of this game that really wants you to ignore that and explore as much as you can with the powers that you have available to you. And as soon as you unlock a new power to kind of explore everything else that opens up based on that. And the game actually works best when you stick to the critical path and only do a little bit of limited exploration at certain key points. And I think that's when the narrative becomes more focused. I think that's when the gameplay gets a little bit more focused. And that's when the repetition of exploring these environments becomes a little less clunky. I mean, this is a game that doesn't have fast travel because essentially it throws you in these semi kind of open environments. but you kind of got to think of them as a Zelda dungeon. You're getting from the start point to the end point where the story wants to get you. It's going to give you a power and an upgrade, and then you're going to work your way back through another path in the same level, using your new power to kind of unlock doors and and use and get to new areas. And it's like, as soon as you realize that is the loop that it wants you to do, rather than to kind of fan off and explore every single nook and cranny, I had a much better time with it. And I feel like that's maybe why people... Were a little bit lukewarm with this game because it really kind of sells you this idea of it's going to be like a Hollow Knight sort of Metroidvania, Dark Soulsy thing. But really, its strength is when
0: it's linear. That sounds really interesting. Um, do you think? Uh, well, is it, who, who sort of would you think would get the most out of this game? Is it for Star Wars fans who who want a, a really good Star Wars game, or is it for more for those genre fans who want to try something different um, in that sort of experience?
1: I think it's both. Uh, I think it's for, if you're a Star Wars diehard, this is great. And it's telling a much better story than The Mandalorian. Uh, <laughs> and I, quite I
0: like I, The I Mandalorian it, at the moment. I don't know whether I'm just like too much of a Star Wars uh, devotee, but, uh, you know.
1: I Look, I like it too, but I also feel like I'm watching Stargate SG-1 at times. So, <laughs> it's freak of you know, the week, a little
0: bit freak of the week, isn't it?
1: It's odd. Um, But, you know, I think this game also scratches that itch for people that have wanted to dive into games like Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, but were like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to approach the combat in that game. There is a difficulty slider in this game that lets you adjust the parry window, which is really incredible because this is a game that is all about using parry mechanics to kind of use your lightsaber to kind of bounce off enemy attacks. And when you can kind of adjust and finesse that to make the game easier for you and your skill set that really opens up the accessibility of this game for people that might look at games like Dark Souls or Sekiro and go, I just don't have the time. I can't commit to that, but I really want to fall into a world and explore it. And I think that's what this game offers.
0: I think this is going to be a good uh, school holiday fun time for me for this one. I think play that over the break while I'm off on leave um, and give uh, Star Wars uh, a good red hot go. I can't wait till you finish it because I really want to talk to someone about the ending. (laughs) All right, well, let's jump into the next one, shall we? Yeah.
1: This is Mainstream by Pixel Pixelsift.
0: Well, speaking of capitalising on nostalgia, um, on the 3rd of December, uh, the – Well, it's been long, long waited since this game kind of came out in 2014, which is shocking to me. Um, The uh, Master Chief Collection, uh, which was originally released on the Xbox One, but on the third, um, the final chapter of that particular collection, Halo Reach, uh, was added to the Xbox version. But it was also released on PC as well. Um, And this was a game that was pretty well uh, known as one of Bungie's Best games they've ever made. It was the last one they worked on while they were still working on the Halo franchise. After this, they went on to work on Destiny. Um, and it was at the very end of the life cycle of the Xbox 360. So it was basically pushing the limits of what you could achieve with that particular console. Um, and yeah, so I was playing it on the Xbox One. Um, I have a lot of experience with Halo, and I played many, many hours of all the different games, played them in co op with my brothers and my friends. Um, and also, you know, used to take the consoles over to our friends' houses and plug in all the network cables and play big LANs and things like that. So, this is a series that I have a, a big affection for. And it was, um, it was interesting to kind of dive back into this experience that really kind of transported me back to when I was about, you know, 17, 18. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really very fun. Experience Did it live up to your expectations? You know what? It actually really did. I was coming in with a a pretty critical eye and I was thinking, look, where is this going to be? You know, is it going to look a bit janky? Is it going to, you know, is the graphics going to be sort of just a brief, you know, coat of paint over the top? But I was actually super impressed with the way that it looked and the way that it played. Um, And in a lot of the actual core gameplay, um, it just felt exactly as I imagined it to be. And I wonder... It, quite often when they do these remakes you know they go and actually kind of modernize a little bit of the experience um and I wonder if they have done any of that in the background but it's to me it sort of felt like it was a lot of a it was pretty much exactly as I remembered it um and it actually but it looked amazing looks beautiful and it was a really great experience and it's a really cool story um that's really nicely told and I think we've spoken about this in, in other circumstances, but sort of off mic as well, but having a nice self-contained story that lasts as long as it needs to, and then finishes. And, you know, the the core conceit of the Halo Reach series, or uh, well, the particular episode of that particular game, is that you know that at the end your character dies. You lose the battle, basically. And you're all working towards that point. Um, and I hope that's not really a spoiler because the game came out like, you know, yogs and yogs ago. Um, I feel like you could spoil an ancient game. Yeah. And and that's always the point. And I think when those stakes are that high, that you know that this is the final battle for your character and for your team, it really builds that sort of, you know, that gravitas. I, I, and, and a lot of the things I felt like, you know, with all of these huge franchise games, they rely heavily on the sort of companion material that comes out. And I don't, I haven't read any of that. I don't really remember it. I remember playing the games and playing them through a couple of times, but um, I don't know whether or not um, someone who comes in completely cold will get the same thing out of it. But yeah, it was, it was for me, it was really good experience. But that being said, there were obviously some moments where it's, it feels a hundred percent like a one-to-one translation of a game that came out many, many years ago um, and things have moved on from there.
1: Oh, well, tell me a little bit about that. Like, was there just some clunky mechanics or was there there's something that just kind of said, I, wow, I'm playing a 360 game, but it's pretty now?
0: Oh, the, the checkpointing in it felt quite old fashioned for a way. And I don't, there was sort of these massive sort of difficulty spikes as well. Um, I wasn't playing on the hardest difficulty. I just played on the second hardest on heroic difficulty. Um Figuring I'd play this game for years and years, I know exactly what's kind of coming up. But all of a sudden, I would just hit a wall in a way, and I just would really struggle to get past it. I would just get killed repeatedly, um, and that sort of doesn't feel as modern as current gameplay stuff. But there was also things just as simple as even control schemes have changed quite a bit now. Um, and all my muscle memory from playing modern games was wrong. Um, it was out. Of, it didn't work anymore. Um, so that was kind of tricky to kind of go back um, to play it on the controller. I don't know whether or not if you played it on PC with a keyboard and mouse, which would have been completely different, whether or not you'd have that experience. But, yeah, playing on the controller was kind of clunky. And I also did try play some of the multiplayer experience, which was obviously a huge component of it. And, I'm a little bit worried because you said tried. Yeah, it. it um, I, cu- I couldn't get into games. And also... Uh, I I don't know, I play a lot of um, Battle Royale games and the queues in a Battle Royale game are like two minutes and you can do things while it's happening. But this, you you literally have to sit there and wait for a game to load and it can take seven to ten minutes and you can't do anything because if you press B, you lose your place in the queue. And when I played it, it was great. It was really good fun. But there, there isn't this sort of rolling queue system that they'd have in games like Overwatch, for example, um, where, you know, you pretty much just roll on straight to the next game. As soon as you're into a queue, they'll just fill people in as you go. So that felt old-fashioned to me. Um, The game was fun when I got into them, but I I ended up only playing about four games over over an hour, when in in Overwatch I probably would have played six to seven games in that time. So, yeah, it's... That's really interesting. I kind
1: of want to rewind for a few seconds because you mentioned before that... You know, this game has a great story, but you're not quite sure it's the entry point for some people that might not have, like, a deeper connection to the Halo series. And that is definitely me as someone who just never has really sat down and played a Halo game. And I'm wondering what your thoughts would be for someone like me kind of jumping into this game. And if you think this is the correct entry point for someone who wants to check out the Halo series or if I should be playing something else in the Master Chief collection.
0: I... Well, the good thing about the Master Chief Collection is there's, like, five other games in there. You could literally play through the whole chronology if you wanted to. Um, I would recommend playing it with a friend if you played it by yourself. I think it would be quite a grind, Um, especially if you haven't got the nostalgia for the particular series like I do. Um, I I think there are other games which kind of typify the Halo experience before, and I reckon it's the sort of one that you could probably even read a few wiki articles, get up to speed, and know what's going on, because there is no... No real story onboarding in this game. You just start. You're a Spartan super soldier. What's that? Who knows? If you haven't got the context, you're just into it and then you're jumping onto a battle and you're fighting these enemies. And I, I don't think it was ever pitched for people who'd never, who came into the game cold. Um, but I, I don't think you wouldn't, you would have fun with it, definitely, because the game itself is fun. Um, but whether or not, you'd get as much out of the story. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of curious to think about, I think. Yeah, so who do you think this is for? Um, Look, it's a a nostalgia purchase, uh, really, when it comes down to it. This is, um, you know, they're selling five games of nostalgia. They've moved it to a new platform for people who may have moved um, to different platforms to play this. I know James, who helps us out with um, the PAX convention coverage, you know, has sold his Xbox, didn't have a way to play it anymore. And when it came to PC, it was really important for him to buy it on that because it was like this was a formative experience in his life. And, um, yeah, that's what it, that's what it is. And I think that what it does is really good. And if you play it in co-op and you can change the settings and make it harder or easier for yourself, um, I think you will have a really good time. And I honestly think the one thing that kind of lets this particular Master Chief collection down is – it, it does sort of feel like there are five or six games piled together, especially in the multiplayer context where most people would have spent the majority of their time. It's not super easy to move between those particular sections, um, but it looks beautiful. And if you want to have that nostalgia hit, yeah, I reckon you'd probably love it. I reckon maybe give it a go. I'd be keen to see what you think of it. Summer project. I can finally play the Halo game. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Or well, let's check out what we've been talking about in the news. You're listening to Mainstream by Pixelsift. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. And, uh, well, look, it was a big week for massive uh, capitalist crossovers. There was just a, basically a huge pile of it all happening all at once. Um, Adam, you watched all of the Game Awards, um, and you I did t- talk a little bit about that. And I'm even gonna, the pre-awards show. I know. You were very excited to watch it. I can tell uh, the the video gamer in you was at peak excitement through that whole experience. Is that a fair assessment? Oh look, I I definitely felt things. <laughs> and what were those feelings?
1: Oh uh, look, you know, it's it's such a weird thing because it's I couldn't help but think of other awards nights that I've either gone to or I've watched where You know, you kind of want to watch people actually do a speech about the thing that they've just won, Um, but there'd be lots of moments where um, someone would win and they would go up on stage and then suddenly a voiceover would be like, and this game has also won this other category, and they would just kind of rush through it really quickly. So that happened with Sekiro, which, spoilers, won game of the year, but also won best action game, and so they just skipped the best action game at like during the entire awards night. So they could just say Sekiro also won it. What? And they did the same thing with Disco Elysium, um, which won Best Narrative. And while they're walking up to accept the award, uh, they also just said, and it won Best RPG. And it's just like, okay, I guess we're not even seeing the nominees for Best RPG. And then I guess the other element of this whole thing is like, I basically watched a three hour uh, advert for a whole bunch of stuff that's coming out. And it was done in this way that felt like I was like pretty much linked in to like every Instagram, TikTok, whatever, like feed it, that could possibly exist, just kind of shooting things at me and trying to like hit me with dopamine. And about halfway through, I felt like I started to get a bit of a headache. <laughs> it was just too much. It would be like every three seconds, Jeff Keeley would be back on stage going, guess what? Another world premiere. And then like, Someone from Fast and Furious would be out on stage. Michelle Rodriguez would just be like, yo, I'm here for some reason. I love games. And then Vin Diesel would walk out. It, w- it was just weird, a bit over the top. Um, and yeah, just kind of made me feel a little bit sad that I wasn't actually getting time to hear from the people that were winning the awards in the most part. Mm. And, and that really the front and center whole point of the Games Awards is to sell you things for next year. Um, And then there were the music performances, and I don't want to go into that for too much detail, but boy, um, they were fine, I guess. Grimes (laughs) did a thing, which was very confusing. I'm not quite sure if it was a live performance or an ad for Cyberpunk, but it was both. Yeah, porque no los dos. And Green Day played because there's going to be a Beat Saber DLC with their songs, but I guess they played something from Dookie, so that was
0: fine. And,
1: And, you know, it was just, it was all very... I
0: don't know. I think when it's it like, stands in contrast to other awards nights where you see, you know, people talking about the craft of making something, this doesn't make the argument that games are art to a general audience. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah. And I, I also feel like there was this one point, I can't remember which team it was that went up there, but they they won something. Maybe it was the Fortnite crew. Um, but they went up and they basically said, we're all here making entertainment. And I think that's a really telling sign when you know, your awards night is filled with more advertorial than actual awards. And the people winning the awards are standing up on stage saying, we're making entertainment as opposed to art. It really kind of signifies, I guess, that cultural bubble within games that that the awards night really caters to. So, at least it was nice to see Disco Elysium punch through that and win a whole bunch of things.
0: Very, very interesting. Well, speaking about largely announced and crossover events, this was actually announced at the... Uh, at the Game Awards uh, this week, uh, but there was a Fortnite Star Wars crossover. It's not the first time they've done that. When Jedi Fallen Order was launched on the Epic Game Store, there was a bit of a crossover between that as well. Um, but JJ Abrams um, actually was going to jump into the game, and they've done a few of these little, you know, worldwide um, release things inside the game of uh, Fortnite. And I actually stayed up uh, to to watch it all happen um, last night for one of the first times I've had a chance to do this, and it was it was really it was really interesting, but in the same way it sort of felt like um, it, it was asking a lot of the people who were watching this particular uh, particular thing, um, and it was sort of just giving a little breadcrumb. That's kind of what that's how it sort of felt to me. Maybe I, I'm not a. I don't know if I sit within exactly the core demographic of the people who like Fortnite, um, but I do love the game. I find it to be one of the most enjoyable games that I play, and yeah, so it was it was quite a spectacle in the in-game as, as things kind of rolled out and there was this kind of build up to it as it, and then it ended up getting delayed. and Our friend Jeff Keeley jumped on the microphone and said, "Hey, look, we're going to let more people in because there's been an unprecedented demand, so I had to wait another ten minutes." Um, as my switch. So weird. As my switch battery was burning down um <laughs> late at night when I was sitting in bed. Um and yeah, and then it, it kind of all rolled out and it, it was a very it was sort of like almost like a, a player choice in it. Um you were given an opportunity to decide what the clip was gonna be. Um but some of the clips were kind of a bit ridiculous, the options they were giving it. It was like Darth Jar Jar. Um, which is an ongoing Star Wars meme. Oh, look, honestly,
1: that would have been so great if it was that. <laughs> but
0: I, I'm sure a lot of people would have picked that and it wasn't what came out. In the end, it was a Jedi mind trick and it was a, a little clip that was shown um, from uh, with the main characters sort of running through and, and Ray does a Jedi mind trick on someone like we've seen in previous years. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of cool. And then there was sort of this sort of set place um, sort of battle happens over the, the Fortnite island as you're there and the Millennium Falcon and the... Uh, you know, Star Destroyers all sort of zoom into the sky and they're kind of sitting out of the space and there's TIE Fighters and explosions and the map gets changed as well. So some of the things in the game have now changed. Um, and at the very end, there was also... Um, The guy who plays John Ralphio, and it's currently the Sonic uh, voice actor, who I can't remember the name of. Oh, isn't that who's voicing Sonic? Yeah, anyway, he was in it as well, and J.J. Abrams was in it. They were just doing the Fortnite dances. They played the little clip, and at the end, the the most interesting thing was at the end, it kind of changed uh, the game, actually. Afterwards, everyone got a lightsaber and basically fought it out at the end, um, and we had this big sort of pitched Jedi battles between, um, you know, 100-odd players. But by the time we'd reached that point on my particular server – there were four people in the game, two on each team, and it was me on one with one other person and the other people. And we were literally just waiting to see who would quit first uh, because we usually when you wait and win those particular things, you unlock extra bits and pieces. And uh, the Battle of Attrition was won by my team, which was great. Um, and then we, and we didn't unlock anything special, so it was kind of, you know, yeah, it was kind of fun. Lightsabers, yeah.
1: Wow. I I really kind of want to know just – the deal behind all of this, like how much did Disney pay Epic? Like I'm so fascinated by the mm. machinations behind this entire exercise.
0: Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Well, they did have a similar sort of crossover when Avengers end game came out. It was a limited time mode and there were a number of things that you could unlock during that uh, particular playthrough, And it was, that was actually really fun, but this was kind of felt much more like a, um, you know, this is a once-off thing. Though they are adding lightsabers and the Star Wars blaster rifles into the main game of Fortnite as a limited-time thing for the next sort of week or so, up to the release of um, the newest Star Wars film. Um, but yeah, it's very, I don't know. It was to me, it was kind of like, well, I was set it up a long time. Maybe I'm not the target market for it. I love Star Wars. I do like Fortnite. It was kind of cool to watch it all happen and be there and say, oh yeah, I was there when it happened. Um, but yeah, just, I, just, I just could feel the bucks, the bucks flowing <laughs> pretty much. Yeah.
1: Event gaming. It's a, it's a whole new world that we're moving into.
0: Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. Like you couldn't do this at all, you know, five years ago. And the fact that we can do this now, and this, you know, it's, it's that sort of lean forward appointment gaming as well. Um, sort of a fascinating sort of experience. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the Fortnite uh, Star Wars crossover. Cool. Sounds Sounds wild.
1: Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixelsift.
0: All right. Well, that's pretty much all we've got time for on this particular episode of Mainstream. Uh, Adam, thank you for taking over the hosting duties. My pleasure. It was always a lot of fun. Hey, so this has been Mainstream by Pixel Sift. It's what video games the Pixel Sift team have been playing and what we've been reading online. My name is Gianni Giovanni. Uh, I'm executive producer of Pixel Sift and Adam Christo uh, joins me, producer, uh, host uh, of Pixel Sift as well. Um, now, Adam, where can people find you online if they want to give you a follow and get your good takes on music and games?
1: Oh, look, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at, at Adam Christo, uh, very creative uh, at
0: name. And you can find me on Twitter if you'd like to follow me uh, at g underscore d i underscore g, um, and they can find Pixel Sift as well on social media. So you just search for Pixel Sift on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, Give it a search and you'll find us. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks at Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. And if you like this, you can check out our Australian podcast, award-winning podcast. It's just called Pixel Sift. You should be able to find it in the player very close to where you found this one, where we interview indie game developers and break down the news. Most recently, we had Sean To uh, from Battle Brew Productions based in Singapore talking about their Apple Arcade game Battle Sky Brigade Harpooner and what it's like to develop a game uh, for a subscription model on an Uh, mobile platform.
1: Head to our website to see videos, articles, and much more on pixelsift.com.au and give us a rating or review. Like what you heard, why not tell someone uh, who you think would like the show? Let them know about what we're doing here and
0: uh, pass on the word. It really helps us uh, build audience. Awesome. All right, we'll see you next time on Mainstream by Pixelsift.